0: than i ever did you guys had some heavy hitters uh guests on too man so keep up the good work but it's good to be with you and i'm ready to talk sports hello everybody and welcome in to sports Talk chicago my name's John a and great to have you here Today's edition of the program, Akeem Hicks has gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll break it all down in just a second. Plus, a brand-new interview today with Adam Brank from the NFL Network and the SICK Podcast. We talk with him extensively about the Bears draft, Akeem Hicks leaving, so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com I want to start today with this question how do you know when it's time to buy a new car what indicators do you use to make that determination usually it could be years on the car, miles how many times have you had to repair it, how much money have you put into it all those questions usually give an answer There are some people who have great, reliable cars, but they're just too old. And over time, they're going to deteriorate and depreciate. There comes a point in a car's life, and in an NFL player's life too, where they just don't produce anymore. Maybe they were good before. Maybe they were reliable. They got you where you needed to go, but eventually, it's over. And it's time to move on and let it go. Believe me, I know. Nobody wants a car payment. Everybody wants to own their own car, not have to pay anything. But eventually, if you're putting in tons of money to fix the transmission, the brakes, the engine, you might as well buy a new car, right? <laughs> eventually, it's going to break down. It might have been reliable before, but it will break down, and it is breaking down. Akeem Hicks, for years here in Chicago, was reliable. Productive household name to find the Bears defense even before Matt Nagy came in. We did. Hakeem Hicks was one of the only good defensive players on this team during the John Fox era. 15 and a half sacks in two years, his first two years here in Chicago, Wimp John Fox, with that atrocious team. Once the Bears got good in 2018, Hicks still produced. Played 16 games, seven and a half more sacks, first and only Pro Bowl appearance. Those three seasons here in Chicago were outstanding. The best by far of his career. No question. He was healthy, played all 16 games all three years, each year had seven or more sacks, made a Pro Bowl, helped the Bears win, saw them going into a new era. All these things were positives, and they worked so well for Hicks in Chicago. But for the past three seasons, it hasn't really been the same. That's not a knock on Hicks. It's just the truth. Hicks played five games, 15, then nine. His sack numbers diminished extremely. His past year only three and a half, and in 2020 three and a half as well in 15 games. He was not the same player. And although he was reliable for a period of time, his time obviously was up. A couple of weeks ago I did a video on this. There were some reports and rumors that Akeem Hicks and the Bears could be exploring a reunion. At that time, I said it doesn't make any sense, fiscally, for both sides. The Bears would have to lowball him significantly based on his production, and Akeem Hicks wouldn't accept it. He wanted a higher contract that the Bears were not willing to pay based on Ryan Poles' current decisions and moves that he's made. He traded away Khalil and Mac for too much money. He was not going to bring back Akeem Hicks for a $10 million, $12 million deal. It just wasn't going to happen. Well, it turns out, according to reports, somebody else wanted. it. To do that, <laughs> Adam Schapter reports that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed Akeem Hicks to a one year deal worth up to $10 million. Keywords worth up to. We'll explain that in a second. Chapter sent quote Akeem Hicks now joins a stacked Bucs defensive front that includes Vita Vea and second round pick Logan Hall. The Hicks edition means pre agent Nick Dominic and Sue is probably done in Tampa lot to digest here. Number one, Akeem Hicks is gone, and that's unfortunate for a lot of Bears fans, including myself. I liked Akeem Hicks as a player. I liked what he brought to the table. Just couldn't perform the past couple of years. Not a personal thing, just the truth. Could not perform the past couple of seasons. His time was pretty much over. Unless he would take a substantial pay cut from the Bears, um, it wasn't going to happen. And that's okay. It's just a business. I don't think Hicks took it personally. I don't think the Bears did either, and fans shouldn't either. Oh, the Bears should have gotten him back. The Bears should have signed him. There was no need to. Come on. Talking about a mid-30-year-old who's been through too many injuries the past three seasons and hasn't put up a big season since 2018. This made sense. His time is about done here in Chicago. I have no issue with the way everybody handled this situation. That said, it's going to be tough to see Hicks go. For sure, he's been a staple with this team since John Fox. He's made it through Fox and Nagy. Could have made it to Ploos, three different coaches. He's been around for a long time. He put up significant numbers. And in my opinion, he does define a certain era in Bears history. He really does. He defines the transition from this team stinking it up under John Fox to eventually winning with Matt Nagy, then losing again. But still, he's served a valuable role on this team for a number of years. So it's unfortunate to see him go. That said... I think the Bucs made a very smart decision here in their case. Look, the team is loaded with veteran talent. This is not some rebuilding team, some young team. Everybody there has experience and wants to win. Akeem Hicks at this point may get a Super Bowl ring, and that is the best thing I could wish on anybody who's formerly played here in Chicago. There's nothing more I'd want for any of these guys. I said the same about Allen Robinson. Everybody, I want all of them to win a ring. No more Mount Nagy. <laughs> no more Ryan Pace. No more dealing with the crap that they've dealt with here in Chicago. Go win a ring before your career's over. Really? I have no problem with that. Akeem Hicks should be ring hunting at this point in his career. He's been through enough BS from different coaches, different teammates, different players. and and enough. Win a ring before you're too old to even play anymore. I like this strategy, love the decision on his part. Love the decision as well from the Buccaneer standpoint. They did this smart. The deal's worth up to $10 million, not $10 million. It's probably a very heavy incentive-laden deal with a smaller base salary. The Bears could have done that. They didn't. No need to. Ryan Poles wants young, and Ryan Poles wants to conserve any sort of cap space he can and not pay out big money to veterans who may not even play. We don't know how healthy Akeem Hicks is and how many games he's going to play come next season. We genuinely have no clue. Ryan Poles didn't know, but he knew what he did last year, he knew what he did the past three years, not worth paying and shelling out more money for the same potential production. At least in this case for the Buccaneers, they're taking a swing. If they blow it and it doesn't work, so be it. The Buccaneers are stacked defensively, but Akeem Hicks doesn't play one game. I still think they're a Super Bowl contender. Hakeem Hicks just adds to the team, but if he's not there, he doesn't subtract. So this was a smart and shrewd move by the box. They didn't overpay him, pay him too much guaranteed money, lots of incentives, and it's eventually going to be on Hicks to just play. This is a prove-it type deal, really. Is Hicks healthy enough to play 16 games? If he is, he'll make $10 million, and that's about what he's worth at this point. If he doesn't, I doubt he'll make a penny of that, or a fraction of it, and the Buccaneers will really win. So, it's a good deal for both sides. Mutually beneficial, it makes sense for all parties involved, I have no issues with any of it. Bears fans may not be happy, Bears fans may... Have issue or take issue with the fact that Ryan Poles did nothing to bring back Hicks. But I say to you, who may be feeling that way, don't worry about it. It's important. Look at the direction of the Bears team. We just talked about this last week, too. Where are they going? They're not going for 34, 35-year-old defensive linemen for one-year deals at $10 million. Incentives. The Bears are, in effect, rebuilding. They're not putting their faith in older players. Ryan Poles has shown this already all offseason. Look, when you trade away Khalil Mack, everything's on the table, everything. Nothing is off the table if you trade away Khalil Mack. That move set the precedent for the rest of the offseason for the Bears. So although it's heartbreaking from a fan's perspective to see Hicks go, are you really surprised? And would you have really wanted the Bears to pay $10 million, even if it was incentive-laden, to come back for another year in which he may not even play 15, 16 games, 17? Come on. We both know it was not worth it from a financial standpoint. It was not worth the Bears paying Akeem Hicks $10 million, even in incentives, to bring him back. The Bears would have had to pay Hicks $10 million guaranteed for him to come home or lowball him and see if he returned. The Bears, I think, even though they have their issues, are classy enough to know what to offer Akeem Hicks and what not to say, what not to offer. I don't think Ryan Pohl sat there and lowballed him extremely and said, well, here you go. No, there was probably a conversation. And the conversation was what we're talking about now. Hey, Hakeem. Good player. You've meant so much to this franchise. Right now we're in a rebuild. You know this. Do you want to come back for a little money? Probably not. So what do you want to do? And Akeem probably said, I want to go. I want to win a ring before it's too late. And see if I can make more money on the open market. So he did, technically, if he plays. This is a fine move for me. I have no issue with any of it. And actually, I give Brian Paul some credit here. I think he handled this very well. Usually, you'll hear about athletes complain about their former regimes. If things don't go well, if they feel disrespected, hint Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, right? I haven't heard a peep out of Keen Hicks yet. Not one word. Nothing about negotiations or unfair negotiations, low bowling, nothing. Meaning, Ryan Poles is an adult. Ryan Poles is mature, and he knows how this whole thing works. So I like that. There was no negative press surrounding this situation. That was to show that mutually, both sides decided to depart, but also, both sides respect each other enough, and respected each other enough during potential negotiations. Again, it's not a real victory, it's a moral victory, but it certainly sets the precedent for the future when it comes to the Bears signing free agents. What if there was a bad falling out? And word spread. Who would want to come to the Bears then? Have to think about the future in the long game, just not today. Ryan Poles did that here. He did. He respected Hicks enough to probably talk to him and give him some sort of an understanding of what's going on, Hicks said, not interested, but appreciated Ryan, and off he goes to win a ring. No hard feelings, no issues, no publicized drama or problems, simply a business decision where it seems as if everybody wins. I wish Hakeem Hicks the very best, and I hope he does win a ring. I hope Alan Robinson wins a ring, I hope everybody from this past regime player-wise, wins the ring, not Matt Nagy. I do. They were subjected to horrible coaching, horrible management by Ryan Pace, bad ownership. They got nothing out of these past couple of seasons despite 2018. That's really it. Nobody got anything out of these past couple of years. Nothing. Everybody suffered. So for all these players who were on the team, who made big impacts too, I wish them all the best. I'm not going to feel bad or get mad if Akeem Hicks is in the Super Bowl next year. I'm really not. He's suffered enough, trust me. <laughs> Same with Robinson. They've suffered enough. If they make it to a Super Bowl, if they win something, I'll be the first one cheering. I'll make a video about it too. Who cares? they won. That matters to me, certainly. That matters to me a lot. So I'm happy to see this conclusion, at least for now, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Look, at the end of the day, if Keem Hicks can't play or if he's still hurt, Brian Pose will be vindicated, number one, but the Buccaneers will be too. Another mutually beneficial contract. This is an incentive-laden contract. If Hicks can't play, he's not getting paid. That's it. So the Buccaneers took a flyer on him. If he's physically able to play, and if he's not hurt and missing 10 games a year, Hicks is going to make decent money, and the Buccaneers are going to get a legitimate pass rusher who could help them, not only just in the regular season, but the playoffs. It's worth it. But if Hicks gets hurt, if he continues to do what he's done the past three years... No harm no foul for anybody Hicks is probably then going to retire and the Buccaneers will save a decent amount of money they'll probably just lose his base salary and maybe a signing bonus depending on how the contract is structured not bad I just think from all angles everybody wins everybody the Bears the Bucks, and Akeem Hicks wins based on this move Akeem Hicks did not line up with Brian Poles' plans we know this, but it's worth saying again. When you train Khalil Mack, everything is on the table. And if Khalil Mack isn't good enough to stay on the team based on contract situation, then why would Akeem Hicks stay? Why would Brian Pulse want Akeem Hicks back? And why would Akeem Hicks stay for a crappy offer? Not going to happen. So Hicks left. He goes to a contender, and he has to play and prove that he's healthy in order to make money. But if he plays, he makes a fair salary. And the Buccaneers will get a very good player. The Bears save money. They don't have to pay Hicks anything. Everybody wins. And Hicks, most importantly, has a chance to win a Super Bowl. He's played on mostly mediocre teams his entire career. Here's his chance to really make a mark on what could be his last season, or one of his last seasons in the National Football League. Everybody wins. Really. Everybody wins when it comes to this move. There should be no hard feelings. There should be no, oh, the Bears should have done more. At the end of the day, I think everybody can agree. His time was up here in Chicago. Not because of underperformance, not because of bad performance, just because of injuries and because of the new regime. It's nothing personal. Look at what Ryan Poles has done. Look at all the cap space he's created. Look at the players he's choosing to invest in. Young, quick, mobile, agile. Not a lot of money. One year, two year deals. Then draft picks. Does a Keem Hicks fit into that category. No. There needed to be a trade or there needed to be some sort of move. And it happened. I have no hard feelings. I don't feel bad for anybody. I think everybody won. May not be a popular opinion, but I really believe it. Everybody won when it came to this move and this signing. Just hope Hicks can do something of significance down there. Be great to see. It for his own sake and for the Buccaneers sake too. And even for the Bears' sake. Usually it's pretty frustrating to see a former Chicagoan go on to do great things with another team. In this case, I'd be happy for him. The Bears treated him horribly the past couple of years. He was hurt. It was just a strained relationship. He's older. No need to keep him. Hope he does well somewhere else. Same with Robinson. Same with Trubisky. Anybody who's been on this team before and is gone, I wish him all the best. I'm not going to feel bad or hurt. Or, oh, why didn't Pauls keep him around? Nope. Let everybody do what they want to do. Let everybody win, hopefully, or... Well, flat on their face, whatever it might be. These are old players. They're part of an old era. A new era is here in Bears history. And they just didn't fit in anymore. And that's okay. There's some jobs you get fired from. It's not even your fault. It's just a new regime comes in. Can't do anything about it. That's kind of what happened here. There's nothing personal with all these moves, with these trades and Losses of guys to pre-agency, it's not personal. Maybe for Alan Robinson it was, but for everybody else it wasn't, with fans. It's just the stark reality of the business. Football's a business. Every sport's a business. Sometimes I forget about that, too. So in Akeem Hicks' case, I wish him all the best. And then I just hope that in Tampa Bay, he could play and get treated a little bit better than he was here. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Adam Rank comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for John Zaglula, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a fantasy football expert for NFL Network or writer for NFL.com and the host of the sick podcast, Please welcome Adam Rank to the program. Adam, it's great to have you on. How are you? Oh my gosh, so
1: great to uh, be back once again. Thank you so much for having me. It's a uh, it's a fun time, so to speak. A uh, lot of lot of optimism in the air. A lot of uh, uh, a little verklempt too over some of the people that will no longer be with the team. So there's a there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's excitement as well. So this is a good time. How do you feel about the Akeem Hicks news? I know that broke just a little bit ago. Well, let's be realistic. Um, he was not going to return to the Chicago Bears. We just aren't close enough to the Super Bowl for it to be worthwhile for him. He's at the end of his career. So it makes sense that he goes out there and he gets an opportunity to go chase a ring. And to be perfectly honest with you, I love the fact that Allen Robinson went to Los Angeles. I love that Akeem went to Tampa Bay. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to pull for both those teams once the Bears get eliminated. Uh, hopefully they don't, but you know what I'm saying? Um, I feel good about it. So, again, like I'm bummed. you know, you, we wish this could have worked out, but at the same time, you know, uh, the human beings that are on the who are out there still playing football we're we're happy for them. They're in good situations, so uh, I wish them nothing but the best. What kind of legacy do you think you leave here in Chicago? You know, he was one of my favorite players. I think that he was one of those guys that we all look back on in, you know, you know, once we've had some time away from this, I don't know that it's quite of the like Lance Briggs type players or Mike Brown or somebody like that, but maybe on the next tier, you know, he wasn't drafted by the bears. He did arrive to us. He chose to be here. That's the one thing about him and Allen Robinson. They chose to be here. They weren't drafted here. So I don't know. I don't know if we should have more fondness for guys who were drafted here or true bears, so to speak. But I do think that he's going to, he's going to end up being in that class. And I think that. You know, I, I I'll rescind that a little bit. I, I think that when we do look back, you know, he is going to be one of those guys that, along with Matt Forte and players like that, that that we wished we could have just done better for them. And I hopefully I hope it comes down to this. I hope it's a situation where Justin Fields is so good that we now look back at players like that and be like, oh, if Akeem Hicks had just signed two years later, you know, he would have been on this amazing Super Bowl run with this team. But you know. I, I think that uh, I think and listen, if you if you spend any time on Twitter when this happened, like people love him and I think it's great. I, I, I don't think that he's nobody's upset with him. Nobody's got a bad word to say. Everybody completely understands the situation. And um, so I think he's going to be well regarded in Chicago. And again, like any time I don't think he's going to have to ever purchase a diet Pepsi or a soda or a whatever, whatever his beverage of choice is. <laughs> He should never have to purchase one in Chicago again. We we should love. We, we he was a great player for us, and
0: uh, I'll forever. He he's beloved by me. So hopefully everybody else as well. Especially if he chose to come here during the John Fox era. I mean that's uh, that's a questionable choice to say the least. So he made a tough one there. Not questionable, but I I think that
1: <laughs> you know I honestly it really comes down to the Matt Nagy hire just not being. What it was, I think the the process was sort of correct. I think you know this is one of the things too when people evaluate the draft and they talk about teams like the the Giants and the Jets, like God, great, or even Detroit, great drafts, great plan. And I always say that, like, listen, the plan is sound. And if you look back at what Ryan Pace was trying to do, the plan was sound. He uh, he brought in some great defensive players, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. He brought in some great offensive talent, including Allen Robinson. Uh, Kevin White did not work out as well, but you know I, I understand the theory there. I think everybody got caught up in Odell Beckham Jr. being so good the previous year that Kevin White seemed like a good idea. Although I think we probably would, would have ended up drafting Vic Beasley in any other time. And then you look at you know hiring Matt Nagy. The the process was correct. I don't think the process was correct with Mitch Trubisky like that. I, I drafting a quarterback, yes. That quarterback, absolutely not. There was nothing about that that there was nothing that you looked at and were like, "Wow, oh, this guy, that guy can be a good player." I still, I understand. Like, I try not to drag him so much, and I'm hopeful. I wish he would have gotten an opportunity in Pittsburgh, but at the same time, man, on the field, wise. You cannot look at what Patrick Mahomes, and I was more of a Deshaun Watson person on the field, on the field, Deshaun Watson only, exclusively on the field. There was nothing about Deshaun Watson that led you to believe that he was not going to be a good NFL quarterback, which to me, again, I I liken Justin Fields to that as a lot as well. Like, we saw Justin Fields in a Power Five conference dominate, dominated Trevor Lawrence. Like, why was he not the number two person? Why, why wasn't there a discussion about him being number one? So I feel like that was a misstep. So I don't know if it was a questionable decision. I, I like the process of what was going on, but
0: obviously, you know, we've started over, so it didn't quite work out. Adam Brank here on Sports Talk Chicago. Adam, what do you make of Justin Fields' rookie year?
1: You know, it was a combination of things, and I really wish I could give the person credit who who pointed this out, it was on Twitter, it's on Bears Twitter. might have been Chagru, it might have been somebody. It wasn't Patrick Sheldon, who I've now written off because he's put ketchup on his hot dog. I will say that, that somebody was talking about this, about Josh Allen and Josh Rosen both were disasters in their, uh, in their rookie seasons. But Josh Allen gave you an, enough tape to be like, okay, this guy should be good. There's plays where you're like, okay, this guy's got it. He can deal. And I think with, uh, with Justin Fields, there is plenty of that. And I talked about this on Total Access Monday night on uh, Memorial Day. Is We watched the play. We, we, we ran back the play from Pittsburgh, the go-ahead touchdown after the ridiculous taunting penalty. And you just look at the way Justin Fields composed himself, like getting out of the pocket, communicating, having the chemistry with Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney knowing exactly where to be, Uh, Justin Fields putting the ball the only spot you could to, number one, not get intercepted, number two, to make sure he gets both feet down. Those kind of things stick out. And I think when you go into a situation and you go into a... And and, and, and honestly, we would have liked to have seen more of that. And if there would have been a coach who entered last season with like, oh, sorry, Andy Dalton, this guy's getting all the number one reps. We're changing the offense for him and we probably would have seen a lot more of it but you know we got we got enough of a taste we got enough we got enough tape there was this, the 49ers game there we were a couple of nice throws you know there's there's the the throw that he made to Esper Horstead in Las Vegas there's a lot of stuff that you can go back and be like okay this guy he's accurate he's good with the deep ball we're good at some point they you know just like okay we don't need to see anymore just shut him down we're we're firing the coach anyways so I'm optimistic that way. And I think that, you know, this will bleed itself into this season with a, a, a game plan that's suited for his skills. So I think his rookie year could have been better, but he still like they won six games. And I know he was like two and nine, but you know what? He had he had late leads against the 49ers, the Ravens, or at least tied the 49ers and the Steelers. He was putting the Bears in positions to win. And, you know, if the Bears defense would have made a stop in, uh, in that one game against Green Bay, he would have been given the ball with an opportunity to win the game. So, well, I mean, to put them ahead. I mean, the defense probably would have let Rogers drive down and score. But, you know, I, I think there was enough there. And for people just to be so dismissive, of of his rookie season just baffles me, but then I remember too, like people thought that Joey Burrow was a bust going into last year. Like there are people concerned about him, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. How big of a jump do you expect from Fields come this year with the rank right game plan? I think that there could be a significant jump. I don't think that I don't think that we'll ever see somebody take the field and light it up like uh, like Justin Herbert. Maybe we will, but that was I think that's that's such a lightning in the bottle situation. That it's not fair to compare other quarterbacks to that. But I do believe that given a chance, given with a better offensive scheme, Taylor made to his skills. You know, they're going to do more play action. They're going to do more. They're going to do more play action. He's one of the better. Like, just look at the statistics. Like, on play action, one of the best. On throws outside of the pocket, one of the best. Deep balls, one of the best. And I know somebody on Twitter is like, well, once people see this on film, aren't they going to try to stop it? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that's everything. I mean, we've had plenty of film on Aaron Rodgers. People don't seem to be able to stop that or Josh (laughs) Allen or players like that. Like you see the film, they try to stop it. It's not like teams are not trying. So I think that given the right opportunities he is going to go out there and he's going to make plays and he can still make plays with his legs. You know, you think about the tying touchdown against San Francisco last year. That was a question on the internet as well. It's like what quarterbacks make this play? Like watching this, it's the kind of play where Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen are probably the only two guys. People said Kyler Murray. And I'm like, honestly, I don't think like this is going to be a hot take. I'm like, I don't like, I love Kyler Murray. He's not the athlete. Justin Fields is it's, it's not like, Kyler Murray, like he's good, but like Justin Fields is an elite level talent that only is matched by Josh Allen and by Lamar Jackson. Even Patrick Mahomes is not in his category either. Those guys are separate. Those guys are special. So he's going to make those plays too. He's already got those. Like that's fine. I think where the biggest thing where he can see the most improvement is with the defense being better. And I know a lot of people look at you know, using two first round or two second round draft picks on the defensive secondary is is a detriment to Justin Fields. I see that in the contrary. I see a team that blew a lot of late, late leads. I saw a team that could not stop teams. And when you put your quarterback into a situation where all of his drives are starting from the 15, well, it's going to be very difficult to make much improvement. But if you start giving him shorter fields, if you start playing better on special teams, that's gonna that's gonna present itself an opportunity for Justin Fields to make more plays. And you know, if he can run the ball a little bit more, if, if the defense is not putting them into a situation where they automatically have to throw the ball, where that would take away the play action pass, then it's only gonna benefit him. So I really like the way that they constructed it. And do, I'll be honest with you. When we before the draft, I was adamant about like, let's just draft all offense. I don't care about defense anymore. Let's just draft offense. And then after the Thursday night and all those receivers went off the board, I looked at it and we did the podcast the next day and I said, you know what? We're going to draft a corner. We're just going to do it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think that uh, Kyler Gordon was going to be available. I thought he would have been off the board far before we picked thirty nine, and. I thought actually I thought we were going to end up with a guy who's in Minnesota now, but I said, yeah, I go, we're going to take a corner. Maybe we'll take a receiver with the second one, but I love, I love Gordon. I love Brisker. I fell in love with him. whoo That's a good football player. I did not. I was not familiar enough with him Uh, when I was doing my mock draft with a twist. He was a borderline first round guy. I'm pretty sure he was still in Daniel Jeremiah's uh, top 50 So I had seen a little bit of him, but I really did a deep dive once he was selected by the Bears. I really love it. I love having a rebuilt secondary. And I think when you look at the secondary, when you look at what they did with a lot of the players that they drafted, how well they performed on special teams, not only just Bayless Jones, but special teams wise, these guys are just like, they're good. And I think if you can start and uh, do a quick, quick rebuild, of the defense and special teams, along with drafting all those offensive linemen. I mean, they drafted a number of offensive linemen to go along with the draft of last year, where you hopefully picked your two bookend tackles. Well, I think they did a really nice job, and they've really set themselves up to be in a position to really strike next season. And I think that this is the thing that I, I think that that if you want to look at a timeline of what. What's an acceptable timeline? Like, what's, what's a realistic timeline? If you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did last season, now they drafted Devonta Smith, so that was, you know, a plus-level talent. But the Bears were not in a position to draft somebody of that caliber. They grabbed Bayless Jones, who I think has a very specific role in mind. He's not coming in to be a number-one wide receiver, but he's there to be a weapon. And I think that if the Bears' defense is good and the special teams are good, they're going to hover – Somewhere between eight to 10, eight to 11 wins could possibly sneak into the playoffs, could, considering the NFC's down compared to the AFC. And when you think about it, you know, next year when players like Debo Samuel, but they probably wouldn't go after him, but like DK Metcalf, some of these other wide receivers could possibly come available. Well, the Bears will be in a position then. They'll have a first round pick to trade if they, if Tyreek, if a Tyreek Hill type of player becomes available next season, the Bears can now be in the mix for it. And if the Bears show enough improvement, then those players will be more willing to accept the trade to Chicago. Although I still think that Chicago has a pretty decent reputation around the league. Last year, Russell Wilson selected them as one of four places he would have gone. So I I think that there could be a chance. And if somebody gets upset, if Cortland Sutton doesn't work out in Denver or Tim Patrick, or some of these guys like, there's going to be wide receivers available. The Bears will be able to, uh, to grow it next year. So I think this is a building year with 2023 being more of the like, this is when we fully deploy. The offense is completely operational. It's like we're seeing the Death Star like right when it was right over Jetta or Scarif, <laughs> but we'll be the following year. will be like when the Death Star approaches Alderaan. So it'll be a little bit better. I'm glad I made a cube with my hand to <laughs> really sell that point home. But uh, but yeah, that I guess that was a long-winded answer to a very short question.
0: What do you think about their wide receiving room now? Is it enough at least to help Justin Fields develop for this year? Then next season they can sign somebody or acquire somebody and make it really good. I really I really I honestly believe that. I I look at
1: you know what Luke Etsy did. Last year in Green Bay, and obviously Devonte Adams is a A plus level talent. I'm not comparing Darnell Mooney <laughs> to Devonte Adams, but <laughs> if you look at the way the targets were distributed, it was all funneled to their white, their number one wide receiver. Their tight end Bob Tunyon got into the mix as well. Though Bob Tunyon was more of a factor two years ago, but if Cole Komet can come in and do the the Bob Tunyon thing, that's fine. You have guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, David Montgomery can catch. Khalil Herbert can obviously catch. The kid that they drafted this year uh, is a great receiver out of the backfield. Byron Pringle is enough of a, like, he can match the production that Alan Lazard gave out last year for the Packers. So I'm like, okay, that's fair. And then Bayless, my new best friend, I got to post the video. I have a great video with Bayless Jones that I need to start – I need to put that, I need to unleash that on the world because people need to see it. I I think that he's going to come in and he's going to be, he's going to make plays. I don't think that he's going to be the kind of guy that, you know, your fantasy team is going to rely on week in and week out, but he's going to make five or six YouTube style plays this season. He's going to score some touchdowns. He's going to make some wild plays. He's going to be a factor in special teams. And I think he's going to help this ball club. So I do think that you know, is it enough to win the Super Bowl? No. But is it enough for to see development out of Justin Fields? Absolutely. What most concerns you about Fields right now? I would like to see him cut down on the turnovers. I think that's my biggest, my biggest issue. The Vikings fans love to they love they love to hate on Justin Fields, which is amazing. <laughs> like it's we're the one like why doesn't everybody hate the Packers as much? Like they hate us. Like what like I guess we're still even though the, the Packers are the current standard bearer um, we're still like, we're still the long team team. We're, we're, we're still like the Kings of the North or the central back in the day or the East, whatever it was, you know, this division has changed so much. It's like, yeah, this is a blip. Like you look at the history of the world. This is a very small blip for the Packers and they're, they're, they're one Aaron Rodgers retirement away from irrelevancy. Uh, once again, which is fine, which is where they belong. I will say uh, Justin Fields cutting down on the turnovers. There were times where you're like, what is happening? Why are you carrying the ball like that? There was a game. Uh, I think it was the one against the Vikings. There's such a sloppy play, such a sloppy <laughs> play. And listen, I can love Justin Fields and be very optimistic about him. But like, you have to cut that out. And there have been young people, young players who have made mistakes like that on the NFL level. And I think that is going to be something that they work on going into camp. And if anything that we've seen, you know, from the snippets that we're catching from OTAs or anything like that, this, this coaching staff seems very involved. And it feels like they're working on, you know, his drop step, shortening his motion They're Um, You know they're also you know I'm sure working on bro, protect that football at all costs. (laughs) Get rid of it, but you know like getting rid of it will do will do wonders for that. Also, but when you when you're a runner, you got to make sure that you're protecting that football and hopefully that. I mean, bring in Tom Coughlin, teach him how to carry the football (laughs) as a runner. I don't know, bring him in for a day. That that's that's a reasonable thing. I know that we saw on Twitter. Uh, who was it? Was it Infante? I don't know. I don't want to call out. No, it wasn't. No, it was, I think it was Kluge. I don't know. I'm not now. I'm, now I'm smearing people who probably don't deserve it or they probably do <laughs> deserve it. If not for this, then for other reasons where somebody <laughs> is like, look at the double tap on this throw that they, you know, nice little video they put out there. And I'm like, the double tap is the set like to get him open like that like he threaded the needle to Byron Pringle and like some, like the defenders right there, he has to allow him some separation. Like you see that a lot, like quarterbacks do that kind of stuff, the double tap or whatever, Um, unless we see that be a problem in a game, but like, God, Justin knows how to really thread the needle. Uh, He does a great job of it. And if he's doing it to set his timing and he doesn't get the ball stripped, I think it's fine. So yeah, I, I guess that would be the number one thing. Just listen hold on to the football. Don't, don't needlessly turn the ball over. Interceptions happen, but fumbles are the one thing for a quarterback that I just don't appreciate.
0: To come with Adam Rack in just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Adam Rank still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Adam, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the sick podcast—how's it been going? Oh, oh my God, it's uh, it's been going pretty well.
1: We uh, we did a, we've had a nice little run of guests lately. By the way, we got to get you on at some point. I, I'm remiss in not having you on, but <laughs> listen, we had uh, we had Jim McMahon on, so you got bumped for Jim McMahon. Uh, we had Kari Blasengame, game, who's now a friend of the show. Jim was a great like a like he popped in. That meant a lot to me because you know, growing up with Bears fans, Jim McMahon was one of my dad's favorite players. So that was, I don't know. There's just special moments like that. Jim was eating a hamburger. Like I didn't care. Like whatever. <laughs> People got upset about that. I'm like, if you don't, do you know anything about Jim McMahon? Like I would have been pissed if he wasn't eating a hamburger, or drinking a beer, or doing whatever. Like Jim McMahon could do whatever he wants. Uh, Kari was awesome. Uh, we'll we'll have him on in uh, in the near future. We're gonna have Clay Harbor. Uh, he's going to join us this week, or depending on when you're listening to this show, he might have already been on. Go and download that. Very excited about Clay Harbor. Not only was he a that helps no one all star for years. Loved like big Clay Harbor guy because it it allowed me to to recite the lyrics to uh, to uh, New Order's Blue Monday. I see a ship in the Clay Harbor, um, which is stupid, but you know, as a kid who like that <laughs> who likes that old. Grew, You know, I heard the old, I, I, I like First Wave on Sirius. But uh, in any of oh wait, I shouldn't have mentioned. No, we hate satellite radio. Terrestrial radio is where it's at, everybody. Um, so we had that. I think actually our best guest has been Ill Will. Like that guy dominated. So we've been doing pretty good with our guests. And obviously we have people from the Tape Never Lies Network, uh, Bear Down Cause, everybody, everybody, everybody's familiar with. And uh, we try to reach out and uh, get it. Uh, Brian Perez will be on soon. Uh, we try to reach out if you're, if you follow bears, Twitter, uh, we try to bring on those, those standouts. Cause I think it's cool to give people an opportunity to come speak their minds. Uh, it's kind of an echo chamber at times, but, uh, we'll bring in Tom Grassi again, still try to get Aaron Nagler on at some point, some of the, some of the hated Packer guys, but they're good guys. Uh, and of course, John, we'll have you on soon.
0: So it's been going
1: well. Thank you for,
0: uh, for bringing that up. Thank you I'm for allowing favorite. me to plug it here. Oh, of course, anytime. And before we finish up last question, what's the funniest Bears moment you've been a part of?
1: The funniest Bears moment was a time where Kyle Long was at the NFL Network and he walked in and uh, I, I got two of them. If I have time, I want to share two of them because I just thought of another one because of his former teammate. So Kyle Long walked in and I was like, ah, like he's tall. He's massive. He's like, ah, and he's like, hey, Adam. And I'm like, ah. And he's like, oh, I know who you are. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, we (laughs) followed each other. Well, we followed each other on Twitter. And uh, but he was super cool. But he saw my face that I was in stunned disbelief, but was very cool. We had a good time. We did a show. Uh, I made him recreate his father's scene from Broken Arrow, where he's pretending that the nuclear bomb went off and he had the razor and the whole thing. I got to play Travolta. So that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, another time too is we um, we hoodwinked uh, Maurice Jones Drew, who is legitimately best friends with Matt Forte, but we were doing a show at the Super Bowl and we were playing a game called "Who is Matt Forte's best friend?" And it was it was a newlywed game type of situation where we we're trying to like, "Hey, what's Matt Forte's favorite food?" Blah blah blah, and so we get to the end, and then I was like, uh, I was let's just say I was fifty points down. So they said for a hundred points, write down this this answer. When is Matt Forte's birthday? And MJD did not know. Matt Forte and I have the same birthday, so I obviously knew. So then we flipped it over, December tenth, and MJD <laughs> was so pissed. Like, how would I know your? How would I? I'm like, you don't know your friend's birthday. Um, like a whole thing. And Forte bought into the whole thing. He's like, well, sorry, Maurice. He's like, Adam's my best friend, came over and gave me a hug. It was hilarious. It was hilarious that he bought into it. Um, We didn't even prep him for that part of it. So it was a a surprise. But Matt went with it. Um, That was a good moment. It was a lot of fun. He's a good guy. Um, I know that I see him around Chicago uh, doing some of the TV shows and stuff. He's very good at that too. So I love all that. I always love catching that stuff. Um, We need to see more of him. It broke my heart when he went to the Jets. I did take a photo with him. When he went to the Jets, our stage manager just happened to have a Jets hat, was just wearing one uh, because our stage manager wears different hats for everything. Like, oh, my God, you're wearing a Jets hat. It's perfect. Put on the Jets hat, took a photo with Forte. uh, The last time I ever wore a Jets hat. But but it was for Matt, so I felt it was worth it. But uh, that was it. I think that game, who is Matt Forte's best friend
0: that I won
1: just (laughs) because I knew his birthday.
0: Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes over at NFL Network and the SIP Podcast. And uh, looking forward to the next time we chat as well. Yeah, me too. So uh, well, hopefully the next time it'll be on the SICK Podcast.
1: But uh, we'll get you coming in soon. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, we'll
0: talk soon. Great talk there with Adam Rank, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Adam Rank himself, Matt Tubiel, WCKG, Jim Detalbin, to tomorrow Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z You can know, watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago. the podcast, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes away to tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe, and so long, everyone. NO! NO! We're the turn-off!